Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's well, we forgot to talk about this last week podcast <laughs> because we are distracted by Excel. I'm Joel Gaston with John Fraser as usual. Uh, plenty to get to today as, of course, uh, allegedly the Riders won at Edmonton, I would say, more cool. so the Elks lost that game based on uh, the way they finished it out, so to speak, in the fourth quarter. Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about that. We're going to talk about... Uh, sort of the trajectory and the current state of Cody Fajardo's career and uh, where it may be heading and uh, just more general talk about um, the lack of offense from this team and uh, maybe some more. We'll see what we actually get into today. But um, if you remember, of course, last week was uh, the rider bye week and usually during that time, maybe not every time because, I mean, there are three bye weeks in a year and it might be a bit much. Uh, we do roll out, of course, the Ask John Anything episode, which, uh, again, Thank you, John, for being such a good sport about that and having uh, tons of fun with that last week, as oh, usual. Absolutely. I love doing it. But to pull back the curtain a little bit, because we are nothing but honest around here. Yes. Um, Before, it... like long before we had decided we were going to do AJA anything last week, uh, John actually had an idea for something he wanted to talk about on this program. Yes. And it was going to be our open last week until, of course, we discovered professional Excel <laughs> spreadsheets. And so, of course, we had to talk about that. John's other other love after his family football and undercoating. Um, <laughs> uh, undercoating might be ahead of football. Depends. Uh, dep- <laughs> depends. How, depends how long it's been since somebody bought some. Um. So yeah, apparently John has this story of there are people who are using his parking lot for purposes that are not purchasing vehicles. And yes. so this was a conversation we planned on having last week on the open, but then we were naturally sidetracked. So, John, why don't you regale us? Uh, first off, uh, to tie it back into my love of Excel, I was uh, I made a draft playbook for my fantasy football draft tomorrow. Um, and one of my buddies at work looked at me. He's like, of course you did it in Excel. So, yes, you can see why I'd be distracted. But the tale I must regale you in. So, as I often do during a slow part during the day, I like to visit with people. Uh, ask anybody that ever watched me in a rider training camp. It's kind of my thing. So I'm hanging I mean, out with our marketing guy. He except at o- work, you actually, you know, do work. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I actually do some work around around the dealership. Uh, but when I don't have work to do, usually hanging out, and our marketing guy Justin and I are hanging out, and he gets a notification on Instagram that Enz Toyota has been tagged in a photo. And normally it's just like, normally it's like straight to the stories. It's like, hey, check out my cool cu custom Tacoma. Here's my car doing something awesome. Except this time, it was a scantily clad model on our lot at night. Didn't tell anybody. Didn't really let anybody know until she tagged... I want to get a like from at ends Toyota as she's posing in a barely there bikini beside one of our pre-owned cars to which the marketing guy goes, I'll give her a like. But then it got me thinking like of all the places to take lewd photos, it was not nude. It was lewd and all the power to her. looks like she's got a successful little side gig, right? I mean, it's if, if, if you can afford the camera equipment and, the photographer and you just don't have the budget for studio space that's okay apparently our lot is open and has great lighting at night um but yeah needless to say not every day you're at work you get the old instagram notification of somebody legitimately coming onto our lot so for research purposes justin and mm -hmm. i the scientists that we are uh scroll through to you know see if this is a common theme it's like the fourth time she's done this <laughs> It's like, hey, I remember. Yeah, we just sold that Lexus. So um, if anybody's bought a pre-owned car from us recently and it's got uh, bub cheek prints on it, although uh, my curling ass has managed to stick around this summer, I can assure you it is not me. But it it, it may be this um, nude model that uh, it likes to frequent our uh, parking lot after hours. Oh, well, that made her sound way worse than it is. It, you really did. You you took that <laughs> down a path that it didn't really need to go I, I, because... I didn't need to. Like, all the no. power to her. It's awesome. It's great. It's just not something you expect to see while you're hanging out with the marketing guy at work. To see old Hootsuite be like, hey, you've been tagged. Here's an ass. <laughs> I mean, sometimes maybe, but not like that, though. Not like an actual legitimate photograph. <laughs> no, yeah, because normally it's like, you know, the spam bots you get on Instagram that are like, Oh, baby, come here, 18 plus only. Click this link and give me your credit card information that somehow people fall through, fall for. Um, no, it's rare that you're like, huh, put a lot of thought into this. Yeah. I guess, I guess. But I don't, what I don't understand is why you wouldn't maybe talk to someone, not necessarily for permission, because I know, like, most car dealership lots are just open at night so people can look at cars, right? So, like, and, and, and at, at well night lit. and during the week and well lit and, you know, all that when you're not open, that's why nothing's blocked off because, like, hey, still come browse and see what we got, right? right? That's the point. Right. Which I get that. So I don't think anyone's going to be like, no, you can't do this. But I don't know. It just seems like if I'm trying to be an influencer online, which I assume is what she's doing, isn't there, like, a business opportunity here maybe if you reached out? I don't know. Like, they're not going to give you a car or anything, I assume, but... Maybe well, there's something that could be worked out. <laughs> she's less influencer and more the site you go to to give people money if you like the way their booty looks. Okay. If you catch my drift. Which yes, again, yeah. awesome. If you're having success with that, all the power to you. That's fantastic. Um, she has a niche of posing with nice cars. So, I, you know, it's like, I mean, whose dad didn't have like some... Labatt's blue bikini model by some sort of Ford muscle car, that poster hanging up in their garage. 
right? I mean, it just it's maybe it's a little nostalgic. I still have in my garage a 2011 Montreal Alouettes Grey Cup cheerleaders calendar hanging up there. It's it's seen. Way I mean, the dates are right once every twelve years, right? <laughs> you know what? That means the dates will be right next year, <laughs> or whatever. I it's probably seven years. I you know what well, I mean, though. <laughs> and speaking of attractive, sometimes scantily clad women, um, the thing that's always bothered me with those cheerleader calendars. I love them. They're a great fundraiser for the teams. If you ever go to a Grey Cup, cheerleaders are out there posing for pictures, selling their calendar. It's a cool mm-hmm. collectible, like. It's not like you're getting the curlers you know, have theirs too with the men and the women, right? Exactly. So, yep. so it's it, it's not like you're you're opening this up and and getting the kind of material you have to pay for for you know bikini models behind the paywall. You're, you know they're they're nice and uh, it all as well. They have really weird dates in them. I've never gotten one that's just like <laughs> January to December. It's like November to October. It's not even like football season because these are sold at the end of football season. It's like. Mm-hmm. It's like gray cup to gray cup, and it is the strangest thing. They're such an impractical calendar, but we all buy them because they're cool. Lousy smarch weather. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the calendars reprinted. Well, now I've come up with an idea of we need a series of photographs of John posing with just hideously old cars. Oh. <laughs> just broken down piles of junk. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And not in like, an, in like an artsy way, like legitimately... Here's like a Pontiac Aztec and John or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I got to wear like the Adidas sweatsuit while I do it, possibly be smoking a dart. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would really get, or like the old, or like let the chest hair fly that I'm, you know, I'm a hairy dude. Mm-hmm. Get some gold chains and just be like, you want to buy it? It runs on kerosene. Just shift to H. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think we're onto something. See, that's, we could make, we could make a three down green cast calendar. You know, we got dogs, so there's the cute factor. Mm-hmm. I got kids, there's the cute factor, and it could just be me in varying states of undress, or you know, like they like would, it, the varying states of undress calendar for John. They would pay people. They would the option. The option would be to pay to put them away. Right. That's it's exactly like pay us, or these are going to be unleashed on the world. But it would be hilarious because it would be like, oh look, it's Mo. Oh look, it's Barkley. Oh, there's John in a sweater. That's not a sweater. I think we. I mean, we've kind of ruined it by telling people, but it'd be great if you like, you're like you re- the calendar or whatever gets released as like dogs of you know the three down nation dog calendar or something, right? And then just surprise one month there's John <laughs> in my tarps off glory chugging a <laughs> just just like just just enjoying a just enjoying a pile of bones while I'm tarps off in the middle of summer mm-hmm. with shorty shorts. Yeah. All tar- right, we we've now terrified all of our listeners. Yep, all three of them. <laughs> Most of the tarps, I believe, stayed on over the weekend for the riders. Um, oh, well done. At least from the fans. I mean, I assume in Edmonton, I didn't. We didn't see any shots of tarps off, which is usually guaranteed a way to get yourself on TV. Um, we had tarps off at the Hilltops game <clears> on Sunday. Yeah. Well, I it mean, was, I heard it was very hot, so... <laughs> I, I, I swear I got heat stroke in the PA booth, so that was that was not... So there was tarps off, and I feel like that guy was the smartest guy there, because you're right, had it not been terrifying, I would have done it as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, we got a lot to talk to about about that uh, Ryder game and the, the fact that they did snap their losing streak, but uh, probably not by their own doing. But nonetheless, the win is a win, is of course. But before we get to all that, as usual, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? In the glass, as I've mentioned, it is summer, it is tarps off season, and it was on sale at your fine establishment, the Sobeys Liquor Store here in Saskatoon. Well, not specifically your Sobeys Liquor Store. No. Uh, the Pile Bones White IPA. The beer that no longer needs an explanation on this podcast. Put it in your face. It is great. <laughs> That should actually just be the slogan. Put it in your face. It's great. There we go. It, I could fit right on the um, right on the grain elevator. Put mm-hmm. on the put it in your face. It is great. Uh, for me, I went of course to visit our friends at the pile of brew and pile of bones brewing last week, anticipating your arrival that uh, for reasons did not happen. Yes. And uh, I picked up through uh, buddies Brent and Travis uh, a fresh batch of the face melter dry hop sour. That stuff's so good. It was literally canned earlier that day on oh. the twelfth. So. Oh. It's uh, it's pretty great right now. Uh, really enjoying this batch. It's kind of got that sort of nice little hoppy note that you get from like the non dry, non sorry, non fruited sours. But it's got kind of a nice little almost like candy, fruit candy taste to it, which is nice. I I didn't know it was that fresh when you sent mm-hmm. me the photo because plans changed this this weekend. Couldn't make it down to Regina to see uh, to see you and uh, and and your lovely wife. But uh, I didn't know it was that fresh. And now it was, it's yeah. like. I, I'm already sad that we couldn't make it, and now I my heart is shattered. Like, <laughs> like Ralph in that episode, the Choo Choo Choose You episode, it's just gone. Like you can, yeah. you literally, if we had webcams on, you would see as you said it was literally can that morning. You could see the moment my heart broke. Mm-hmm. You could probably see the moment Cody Fajardo's been breaking lately. <laughs> um, uh, oh God, yeah. <clears throat> it's been. Uh... It's been a rough go for the team's number one quarterback. Yeah. And I would argue almost to no fault of his own. And I know like a lot of there are a section of people who are all over Cody like they are all over every quarterback in this market. Well, a little less so for Cody for reasons that we won't get into. No, but there are still a lot of people as I, you know, I listen to the post game shows occasionally and there's still people ragging on Cody all the time. Right. Um so, like, this is not this. I think Cody's a very capable quarterback. He's very capable of being very good. But when you consider the last two seasons and everything he's been through, you're starting to see cracks. Yes. And it's hard to blame him when, yes. okay, there are the times he's legitimately not getting any time. And that's always a concern. And we will get into, you know, we've been, we've talked ad nauseum about this offensive line and the issues that they have faced. And the issues they will probably continue to face because I don't know if there's really a fix. Like, even if they insert Jamal Campbell into the lineup this week, which they should, um, you know, does that fix it overnight? I don't know. Probably not. Dan Clark returning along with that, maybe they can get to some sense of, you know, at least averageness by the end of the season with those changes. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But they have to try something at this point because the starting point is just not good. No, and, and, and let's even go back to when mm-hmm. Dan Clark was healthy. Yeah. Um, they weren't I, I even They weren't this bad. They weren't no, this they, bad. No. They were they were okay. They were average yeah. and that's really all they needed to be. They needed to go from from bad to average, and that's what they were doing up until the Dan Clark injury, which is why I first hit the panic button on this team. Mm-hmm. And so while the offensive line has struggled and that's played a big part in Cody's, you know, sort of regression at times. 
which, I mean, to be fair, we all, everyone knew should have happened after his 2019 Sprinkles of Jesus season. <laughs> Everything went too well that year for it to continue to go that well going forward. But I don't think any of us really expected it to go this sort of south this quickly. Yeah. And yeah. my concern is not so much in Cody Fajardo's abilities, not so much in Cody Fajardo as a person, not so much in Cody Fajardo as a leader, but just in what he's been through. Yeah. And, you know, I've used the example on my piece after the game. And, of course, I think Cody Fajardo is overall a better quarterback than Drew Willie ever was, even before Drew Willie got started to see the ghosts in Winnipeg. <laughs> but we're you're seeing a lot of it. And I think for the first time, really, in that game against Edmonton, you really started to see sort of the effects of all of this playing on him psychologically. We've seen the physical effects. Like, his knee is not going to be good till next season. Like, 100% no. good till next season. But there were times, like, there was the obvious times where the protection broke down and he had to scramble for his life and try to make something out of nothing. Fine, that's that happens. That is what that is at this point. Right, that's football. There were times where it looked like he had maybe a second or two more than he thought he had. And or maybe even three. Like, it was, there were times where you could see, okay, it looks like he might have some help on this play. And then he would start running early or he would try to you know, step up in the pocket or do something that he didn't necessarily have to do in that moment yeah. because he, and quite understandably, did not trust the protection in my mind. Of course, I'm not in his head. I don't know for sure, but it certainly looked that way watching it from sort of a, you know, an outsider perspective. And that is probably the most worrisome part of this to me is, okay, if this is starting to get into his head now that when it does work, okay, at it for a second that it's still hurting the team. That is concerning. Yeah, that's, well, A, big concern. Uh, the one thing that I think proves just what an absolute dumpster fire of a line the Riders have right now. Look at the number of times that the Elks got through with three-man pressure that game. It was pretty much all night. I, Jones, I believe Jones didn't actually blitz until late in the fourth quarter, and then Cody actually burned him on it. But <laughs> which, which is, which is, of course, like we're sitting yeah. here talking about, yeah, how he hasn't been great and stuff, and all of a sudden, well, but, but by, minus the one time where he absolutely. Which I mean, as a sidebar to that point, like I get tendency breakers and all that, and I believed, I believe Calgary did the same thing to Nathan Work with obviously much less success all day, but yeah. Nathan also burned Calgary with their one blitz late in the game, as well. So I. I, I get tendency breakers and trying to catch them off guard, but if the three-man rush and dropping everyone else is working, why get away from that? I don't understand. Like, it well, is, that's, it is that's completely mind-blowing to me, like, especially in the Christian... Like, I get maybe trying to keep Nathan Rourke guessing, but yeah. in the case of Cody Fajardo, like, there was absolutely no reason for Chris Jones to blitz once in that game, and then he did and didn't work. So. No, no, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and the Drew Willie comparison is a very good one. Um... Drew Willie was behind some terrible offensive lines in Winnipeg. Like he was Drew Willie legitimately. If you go back, he was legitimately looking like a CFL caliber starting quarterback, right? And then yeah. he when, played when he, came, when he came here in 2012. It was very early in training camp. I remember, you know, a few of us were chatting around. This is when they were in Regina that year. Yeah, at the U of R campus in that grass field, that fake grass field that sheds like crazy. I don't know if it's still right. there or yeah. still does, but. Um, and I, I remember saying, I think it was to Jamie and some guys early on, I'm like, I think Drew Willie's going to be the backup. And I think some people were like, huh? But I was like, and then if you've, as time went on, they started seeing it more and more. I don't think he was at number two from the start. There, I don't even remember who else was in camp that year. 
other than I think JT O'Sullivan was there because he got on as number three. <laughs> and JT O'Sullivan was just always kind of there for those years. Yeah, and it was he was a legend that year just to talk to anyway, so it was great. Um, but yeah, like you saw flashes and you saw potential in Drew Willie at the time. He maybe as the games he started for the Riders were maybe never really mind-blowing. Like they weren't, there was never a situation where you thought, you know, Drew Willie was the next guy like uh, James Franklin or one of those other guys or Nick Arbuckle who hasn't really phased, who hasn't worked out. But, yeah, he certainly hasn't. But Drew Willie always certainly looked more than serviceable or pretty good in Saskatchewan. You thought maybe this guy had a bit of a potential future. And then, of course, we all know what happened in Winnipeg. Yeah, played behind a terrible offensive line and got spooked. And and, and that's the... <laughs> And a guy, and again, as a guy that has watched a lot of bad and very good Bombers football over the years, that when you texted that and put it in your article, um, like you were absolutely bang on. Like you can tell Cody's, he's worried, he's rushing throws, he's not step. The biggest sign for me is he's not stepping into a lot of throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he got picked off, he kind of threw off his back foot. He didn't step in. He didn't get, you know, real. Uh, he didn't throw a good ball. He wasn't throwing a lot of good balls no, that and, night. And the one that he got picked on, if we're talking, the one he got picked on, he wasn't even under pressure at that time. No, he just like panicked. the line was actually holding up in that moment. Yeah, he just panicked and floated it, mm-hmm. and I mean, it would have been a much different outcome against literally, I think, any other team in the CFL, Ottawa included, in that statement. So, um, again, this is not this is not character assassination. You and I are both on the record of it liking Cody and liking mm-hmm. his personality and liking his his you know how honest he is. But yeah, it's it's he's looking. He's got happy feet. He looks nervous. He looks like he's waiting to get walloped. And I think, again, this comes back to with how little faith they clearly have in Mason Fine and Jake Dola Bananas or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> he, um, like, at some point, does, 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 does Dickinson and Moss not have to say, okay, Cody, you're clearly hurt worse than you're telling us. You need to, like, we need to put Mason Fine in. Well, or is it, I, I, I don't like, think against Edmonton there was an issue with the pain in his knee. No, I, I don't think so. He was moving well. He's he was moving well. He rushed for 50 yards, which I believe is a season high or at least his best since week one. But it's still – it's the way he's floating those balls out. Like, you can tell, yeah. like, he's he's hesitating. He's, he's not getting – like, compare him to Taylor Cornelius right now. Like, the way Cornelius can just – whoo, balls – and even Zach Kolaris – and and to a lesser degree, Bo Levi Mitchell, like when the ball comes out, it's got some sizzle on it. It just looks like Cody's ball doesn't have a lot of sizzle on it. And that's from his it seems like he's scared to put any weight on that knee when when really push comes to shove. Right. And 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 again, looking at him directly compared to Taylor Cornelius. And I've been known for terrible takes about quarterbacks right here in this very space. But I take Co- Taylor Cornelius over Cody Fajardo right now. Like I if, mean, if, if right Edmonton now with this very time for like a short period window, sure, maybe. Well, I I think though I I think <clears throat> moving forward, I think if Chris Jones phoned up Jeremy O'Day, if I'm Jeremy O'Day and Chris Jones phones up and he accidentally calls me instead of whatever person he was trying to hit on, um, I think I would say yeah, let's do it, and I think you do it in a heartbeat, and I think the Riders would be better off. Moving forward, I think there might be some growing pains, as you saw with Taylor Cornelius. But, and I say this as a fan of Cody's, I think Cornelius is a better quarterback right now and moving forward for for this team. I mean, we like Cody, and I and I hate I hate calling him out, 
But outside of the three Ottawa quarterbacks, he's currently last in the year in the league in passing yards. That's that's you, you can't have that. <laughs> you, no. you can't with all the amount of money for Shaq Evans and Duke Williams and the emergence of Keon Schaefer Baker and those guys. You can't have a guy that is last in the league in passing yards minus, you know, only ahead of Nick Arbuckle, the injured Jeremiah Mazzoli and Caleb Evans. So I don't I, I, I hope he can be fixed. But at this point, you got to start asking the question is this season is not going as anticipated. Although all jokes aside, after seeing all the dumb bounces they got, they're probably going nine and nine. And, and I'm taking this straight from you going nine and nine, <laughs> and winning the Grey Cup this year, but out of the East Division. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just this has been Cody's team now for three years, and it seems like it moves backwards every year again by no fault of his, by the fault of the team around him. And I hate to say it, this team is built and the money that they're paying him and the money that they're paying receivers, they, you know, skimped out on the offensive line a little bit to give him those weapons and give him those options because that's what they kept talking about last year and he's not doing anything with it. And I, let's face it, they were very close to losing that game in Edmonton. Like, we're, like we're talking a bounce or two and they lose that. Yeah, like, I, I mean, in fairness, the two of the money receivers are currently not playing and haven't been playing for most of the year. So that's... You know, there's nothing you can really do about that in terms no. of how much they're being, you know, the output of, you know, what you're paying your receivers for what you're getting maybe is a little skewed in Saskatchewan because two of the guys that aren't playing, one hasn't played all year. Right. So that's that's certainly a part of it. Um, I, I don't think I can agree with you on Taylor Cornelius. I don't really get what some people see in him. Yeah, he can throw the ball hard. He's moving around a bit better now. Um, to me, he's kind of McLeod Bethel-Thompson that can run a bit. I don't think you're really going to get much more out of him. I don't think he's a guy that's really going to lead you to greatness. Um, so I, just, I see, I see flashes of, to me. It's that quick release. Like the way that he can throw a deep ball so quick. He like, he doesn't have to wind up. It's just mm-hmm. boom. It's out of there. Like this, this, he can be under pressure and boom, get that ball out to basically anywhere on the field. Right. And <clears throat> it reminds me a little bit of a young Bo Levi Mitchell. Because that's used to be Bo Levi's thing. You'd get you'd you'd think you had him. You'd think you had Bo Levi Levi Mitchell running for his life. Pressure coming everywhere. Everybody covered. One guy gets open. Boom! It's thirty yards downfield and another massive first down. I just I see that same physical ability with Taylor Cornelius. And let's face it. At the end of the day, he's one weird handoff away from basically scoring thirty on this very very good rider defense. Like, the defense did their job, mm-hmm. and he still almost beat them. Yeah, I, I mean, well, he beat them because the offense can't really do much of anything. That that, that <clears throat> was, yeah. I remember listening to our friend Jamie and I in the pregame show and listening to, also, um, Jamie and I, if you're listening, I know I messaged you this. Nobody interview Keon Schaefer-Baker ever again, please. <laughs> <laughs> the man was a living cliche. It was it was like if you wanted every sports cliche in an interview, you need to go back and listen to the Green Zone pregame show because Jamie's interview with him was just like knowing Jamie a little bit. I could almost just feel him tensing up and like either really enjoying all the cliches or just hating that he couldn't get a good damn answer out of him. But I digress. Yeah, and the writers are still looking for a good damn answer in terms of 
their offense and we can you know we can talk as much as we want about Cody Fajardo and there's certainly it was a quarterback driven sport I know people love to say it's a quarterback driven league but it's a quarterback driven sport oh yeah yeah 100% and that's a big part of you know everything that's going on the offensive line but at the same time you know when it's not one thing it remains another and we've talked about this a lot here where Okay, there was lots of times where Cody was under pressure, especially when he was only against the three-man rush. And there was times where he was, you know, getting a little happy feet and acting out in ways that he didn't need to in that moment in time. But there were other times where that didn't happen. They were, he was getting his protection, but he still had nowhere to go. Right. And that's also problematic. And I don't know what this comes down to, whether that's, you know, sort of the issue with the receivers, whether it's an issue with coaching, whether it's an issue with whatever the case may be. But it just remains the fact that just about everything on this offense, except Jamal Morrow, who continues to not get the ball as much as he should, consistently throughout the game, um, is broken. And it's hard to fix. There are times maybe they looked a little more put together against Edmonton, I guess, than we saw in the previous games. But And there's always the old saying, you know, you sort of dig yourself out of a slump, you know, to sort of snap out of it. So... Maybe it'll take a little bit of time to kind of get things back on track again. If there is a back on track for this team offensively, I'm not sure. But something has to give one way or the other. I think if you had to take one sort of positive out of the game for them offensively from that game, it was that Duke Williams appeared to be more his old self again. Oh, yeah. A couple he, great catches. He, he kind of stayed out of the, you know, the nonsense. He made some great catches. And yeah, he made the catches that he was supposed to, and he made a couple of really nice plays that really bailed out his quarterback that he hadn't made in a while. So if that starts to turn around, and it's and it's not instantly going to make them a great offense, but if Duke Williams can at least start earning most of his salary like he hasn't been for most of the, for a good chunk of this year now, that will make a big difference for this offense. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, and you mentioned Morrow, and I go mm-hmm. back to one of our episodes. They were either. Uh, it was early in the season yeah. when it looked like that this team had found an identity that was working for them. Yeah. You know, when they were just running the ball and running the ball really well. well and, they, and they did it for like the first two series and scored eight points. Yeah. And I don't get it. They just, they get away from it so quickly. Like you are not a flashy team. You might spend some money on some flashy toys, but you're not a flashy team. And I just, it, it just, it boggles my mind how, and I'm not never going to say that 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 I either of us try to proclaim that we know more than anybody in football. But no, and, and I mean it is the CFL. You're still probably going to pass at least 55, 60 percent of the time. But 100 percent. But when you had so much success being a run first team, mm-hmm. which again, you look at Winnipeg, look at Calgary, to a little bit lesser. You look at BC. They're run first teams, even Toronto, and they're doing pretty okay, right? So I I don't know how – it seems like they have the ingredients for that and they just can't figure out how to push it together or at least play that sort of way until the aforementioned receivers are back and healthy. If you want to if you want to play whatever you plan, run and shoot and, and run and gun and, and have fun with that, like fill your boots. But until then, go with what works and they've gotten away from it. It's just – it's so frustrating to watch that you know you have the ingredients to make something great, and you just refuse to do it. And I I, I really hope that, like, it, who was it Rod's show that tweeted out that, uh, no, it wasn't Rod that said it. It was 
Was it Abumetric that said that? That that Jason Moss was the only thing holding this team together? Yeah, I think it was something like that, too. That's a worse take than any take I've had in, in my life. I don't like calling guys out for that. Abu's a great guy. That is a worse take than my Johnny Manziel quote. quote take. Like... It's just it's it's they're frustrating to watch, and I even say this as a non-fan, just as yeah. somebody that talks about them once a week. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's not all doom and gloom. I mean it was you know it was a game that I would say Edmonton lost. You know they started taking penalties late, and you know, there was yep. the pick, and the, the, all kinds of dumb stuff started happening, and not the good kind of dumb that essentially the, cost the them the game and. Credit to the Riders, the the Elks served it up for them, and they still had to capitalize, and they did. So they they get credit for that, no doubt. They took advantage of the opportunities presented to them. But had those opportunities not been presented, I would be fairly confident in saying that the Elks would have won that game. Yes, but that they don't they remained in the game on the backs again of their defense, right. and you know this continues to me. I believe you know whether for some reason, and I don't really know why. It feels like Jason Shivers is just maybe in the maybe not in the coaching circles, but like outside of Saskatchewan and sort of like the bigger talk of you know coaches in the CFL. It's starting to pick up a bit, but it feels like the guy is incredibly underrated as a coach. Yeah, because okay, yes, they have had their struggles at times. Every unit, in every league of every sport does. But he seen he finds ways to get out of it. He finds ways to make adjustments to get the most out of the players that he can in that moment because. We yeah. saw in the first half of that game, Taylor Cornelius ran for 60 yards, and they were moving the ball fairly well, and they scored some points, and things were going well for the Elks in the first half offensively. They didn't really get much pressure on Cornelius throughout the first half, but all that changed in the second half because yeah. we know the Ryder defense is built on getting pressure on the quarterback. Yes. And as soon as that started getting home, you saw it working, and it was like, okay, this that game essentially flipped on a dime in a way in the second half where it's like, okay, if the offense can do something, anything... They should be okay and win this game now at this point. And then they didn't. Um, they only give, gave up three earned runs, essentially, in the second half because they had the one field goal against on the normal drive. And then the next drive, of course, Cody threw that underthrown pick. And yep. that was, I would say, as an unearned run, to yes. borrow a baseball term, essentially. So the fact that they kept that to three was even good. So six points, three of them earned in the second half, tells me that's a spot where, you know, there is a coach here that absolutely knows what he's doing. It absolutely can get the best out of his players and his unit. And maybe we should be talking about him more on sort of the national stage. Well, that's it. <clears throat> you you almost have to Saskatchewan and loves the guy. We know that you have to think he's the heir apparent. Like yeah. you, you have to at some point, because if not, he's going to go someplace. I couldn't believe how long he's been in the league. Mm -hmm. Like I was surprised to hear that he was with Jones back in his Toronto days, which feels like an attorney. Well, the first time in Toronto, not the defensive consultant yeah. days. Yeah, no, not whatever that <laughs> weird one was. Yeah, whatever that that whole sitch was last year. Like yeah. the original, like OG mm -hmm. pre head coach Chris Jones in Toronto. He when he left, he, when he unceremoniously left Calgary for the same job in Toronto. Yeah. Yes. Which then he unceremoniously <laughs> left for Edmonton, unceremoniously left for Saskatchewan. At and... least there were promotions in those <laughs> jobs. But yeah. yeah. Nonetheless. Okay, yeah. You, they basically slipped, slapped him the title of everything but the popcorn vendor just to get him to do, you know, the things he's always done and make other people pick up the slack and not get paid for it. But I digress again. Um, <laughs> I was, and that was the one thing I always thought. I'm like, well, yeah, Shivers doesn't get the respect because he's only been around the league a couple years. 
Then to hear during the game, like, how long he's been in the league and been around the league and 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 successful everywhere and hasn't gotten a sniff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's, it's, maybe the guy is, is, is boring. Maybe he's got a terrible personality. I don't know. It doesn't seem that way. But it, I, I, the guy can clearly coach ball, whatever it is. 100%. Go, go get some assistant that's a raw, raw kind of guy because, yeah, I think the Riders got to find a way to keep him because mm-hmm. losing him would be absolutely devastating because he, it, like you said, it was the adjustments, it was everything. It was, again, you know, holding Edmonton to basically three points in the second half in a game you absolutely needed to win and were absolutely n- not looking like you were in a position to win after the first 30 minutes of football. No, and what I particularly like about Shivers' defense is, you know, for a guy that, for a guy that, you know, grew up in the CFL in the Chris Jones system, you know, you would and you, you'd expect to see him to be, you know, a very Jones style guy. And he is. You see a lot of influence in the Chris Jones defense in terms of the way they play. But he still does things his own way as well, which I think is interesting and important as yes. a coach. Like we've seen, you know, there's been the conversation in the CFL the last year and a bit about the offense. And it was the University of, of Alberta head coach who said everyone runs a Mark Trestman offense. And that's why the league has kind of been in where they've at offensively. And surprise, surprise, the what the Canadian OC that it has nothing to do with Mark Trestman is currently running the best offense in the league right now. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I digress. Um, the but, digression episode. Yeah. And, but Shivers, while of course, you know, sort of the bones of the Chris Jones defense are still there, he's not afraid to kind of do things his way. I think he's a little more bend, don't break than Chris Jones is. It's a little less flashy at times in terms of big plays. But... Yeah. And he's not experimenting as much with guys in weird places. And he's not switching Run guys harder. to the other side of the ball or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, he's steady. He's very solid. And he clearly kind of just adapts to what's around him, which I think is a very important quality in a coach that, frankly, a lot of coaches don't have. A lot of coaches are guys that are, you know, this is the way I coach, especially in football. This is the way I coach. This is the way we're going to play. And I'm going to find guys that fit that system. Instead, it looks Jason. like to me, Jason Shivers is sitting there and is saying, Okay, these are the guys I have. What can I do? Yeah, and what, that's a very important distinction, and I think that's what makes a very, very good coach. Yes, no, I would, I would absolutely agree, and and I think this is the basis and the genesis of full disclosure. Your theory that I am now absolutely rolling with because I was of the panic button they're going to miss the playoffs. <laughs> I'm now adopting your theory based strictly on Jason Shiver's ability that they're going to go nine and nine. They're going to go on the road to the east in the playoffs and beat Winnipeg in the Grey Cup game at Mosaic because why not? Because why not? Because it's the CFL, right? It's the CFL. And, like, again, they have no business winning that game against the Elks. No business. Like, none. (laughs) Like, their season should have been – I was, like – my hand was hovering over the imaginary panic button. I had my sickos memes ready to go. I was ready to declare, <laughs> yes, I was all excited. Everybody's like, well, why are, you, why are you cheering for them to lose? I'm like, more people listen to the podcast. I'm even going like, I'm looking at all this. And then they find the dumbest ways to win. Just so much dumb. Which is why they're going to be the, um, let's, 9-9 nine or 8-10 and 10 Grey Cup champions over my Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
I mean, it and I'm does... not trying to Fraser curse them either. This is not a me Fraser cursing them. This is I honestly believe the football gods want this to happen. I mean, we've talked enough about how it feels like whoever wins the East this year is probably going to win the Grey Cup because they're going to play a one-two-three loss Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or that's increasingly looking like BC Lions. Yeah, and when those situations tend to arise. And you play a team that is eight and ten, nine and nine, whatever the case may be, eight, nine and one. If you're the Ottawa Red Blacks one year, um, <laughs> only in the CFL, and it happens often where those teams win. So yeah, I am weirdly in a spot where I think yeah, the Riders may go nine and nine. They'll cross over to the East. They'll somehow win, and they'll win the Grey Cup at home in the most bizarre and strange circumstances. Not and not actually, you know, go into. I I wouldn't believe in them being a good team going into 2023, but regardless, banners hang forever, and it would just be the bizarre, dumb, chaotic ending that probably this league deserves. I feel like I, I almost look forward to that episode, possibly the night of the Grey Cup. <laughs> We would, have, would, they, we would have to do some kind of emergency podcast or something that night. Well, I, 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 I'm, 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 ideally, I will be there. I, mm-hmm. Ideally, I will be crashing on your couch. So maybe it's a, like a 1 a.m. after all the festivities have, have wrapped. Maybe Justin Dunk's there for some reason. And we just we just go and call it the dumbest season ever. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.